Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, during a traumatic birth experience, a young mother learns what it's like to be a ghost and even experiences special ghostly abilities. Could a Ouija board have been an accurate predictor of a catastrophic weather event? Two separate listeners described their phone calls from their recently deceased grandparents, and after purchasing her childhood home, a woman realizes the figures she used to see were not fragments of a child's imagination. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Interesting here, so we have uh, like a, uh, a a weather channel ghost? Sure, you can call it that. <laughs> Is it ghost con, like Torcon? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's like, what's the ghost con going to be today? No, but it, it's an interesting use of a Ouija board that I would not have thought of. Okay, could that be for good? Um... In no way am I saying use a Ouija board to predict the weather, but in this case, possibly. Be interesting if you just started asking Ouija boards, like, what's the what's the Ouija? Uh, if you started doing that on a regular basis, like, okay, what's the probability of a storm on a scale of like one to five on like severity for a specific area? Uh-huh. You ask the Ouija board every day, what's it going to be, and then. Record those results for a full year and see how accurate they are to how the weather shapes up. See, somebody's going to do that now because you said that. We could have actually found the most accurate weather predictor ever. (laughs) (laughs) The undead. Yeah. It would be interesting, Mm -hmm. to say the least. Someone who has, has a Ouija board that's active and say, in X city... What's the odds of severe weather on, on X day? And it has to be a future date that you're asking about. Just record it. See what happens. No, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> it could be very bad. In a lot of ways, yes. Very accurate, though, too. But it could be very bad because you are opening that portal 365 days in a row. That's true. So you're going to have a lot of demons roaming around your house, but you're going to have the most accurate forecast. <laughs> Of any source ever. Right. <laughs> they start, like, measuring that into, like, the National Weather Service. Well, according to this, according to the Ouija predictions... Yeah. It'd be very interesting. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write it on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, and share your ghost story with us that way. So lots of ways for you to do just that. Let's kick off the show today 
with a letter from Darlene. Darlene says, I was listening to an EPP episode and a story on there encouraging me to finally tell what happened to me while I was giving birth to my now 28-year-old daughter. I was a young girl of 17 and went to labor and went into labor on Labor Day of 1986. It was a difficult birth. Back then, they really didn't do much as far as incubating labor or, uh, labor or offer much comfort during the whole... That's inducing labor. Oh, incubating? You don't incubate labor. <laughs> I'm you, sorry. you induce labor. Inducing labor. Yeah, incubating. Why not? Why not incubate labor? It's not a chicken egg. <laughs> well, we had that in like sixth grade. We had all these chickens in our room. Okay, same thing. Same difference. Right, same thing. Inducing labor or offer much comfort during the whole frightening ordeal. It's funny when I'm doing a, uh, the, the story and I'm reading it, whenever suddenly you get really close to the mic, I know I effed up a word. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it's like out of the corner of my eye, I see you getting close to the microphone. I'm like, oh, I screwed up something somewhere. Here we go. Sorry, I'll just stay here the no. whole time and make you really nervous. <laughs> It'd be great. No, no, it, it, it's funny. I didn't know what to expect either. As time went on, the pain got more intense. I was never coached as far as breathing. It was pretty much screaming at times. A couple of nurses even came in to tell me to be quiet. I started calming or calling them uh, the nurse bitch and nurse a uh, nurse cow. Nurse cow. I think she called them Nurse Bitch and Nurse Cow. That's nice. Yeah. She gave them names. <laughs> As it turns out, my baby was stuck in the canal and was told not to push due to hemorrhaging. My mother and husband at the time were taking turns keeping an eye on me. My breathing started to slow down at one point. I felt like I was relaxing, so I went with this feeling. Next thing I know, I'm looking down at myself. OMG, I was freaking out. I even remember my head touching the ceiling. Tears welled in my eyes as I saw my mother checking my breathing. Then she screamed out, Doctor, doctor, my girl isn't breathing. All of a sudden, all these nurses, including Nurse Bitch and Nurse Cow, came running in with the doctor. They started trying to revive me. I heard this voice. It was a comforting voice and a voice I could never replicate. It said, you may stay, or you may go. It's your choice. I answered out, I want to stay. If I go, she will never have a chance to live. This is also how I found out I was having a girl. Next thing I knew, I was back in my body, experiencing my pain once again. It felt like I had been gone at least an hour. Things proceeded to get worse. My baby's heartbeat was getting weaker as time went on. Then about an hour later, it happened again. What I thought was sleep turned out to be me not breathing once again. The rush of nurses and doctors all over my bed were trying to revive me. My mother and husband were crying and panicking and being told to leave the room. And again, I'm looking down at all that happened, but what seemed even stranger was it seemed like I could hear their thoughts as they were reviving me. The cruelest of thoughts came from Nurse Bitch. I heard her voice saying, She's a child having a child, and her husband is nothing more than a pervert. That thought pissed me off. They were once again successful in reviving me. It happened a third time, half an hour after that. These episodes seemed to be getting closer and closer together. When I was in a state of death, I felt calm, peaceful, yet worried about my unborn baby. It seems I had the choice to stay or go. 
and would have taken my unborn daughter with me. Even in death, I couldn't be that selfish to go. I wanted to see her live, grow, and give her a name I had prepared for her. Tears rolled down my face as I relive the details of this story. This experience will always be with me no matter how old I am allowed to get. I strongly believe in life after death and that we are in that world as we are in this world. Meaning if you're selfish, ignorant, or mean, or loving, you carry this with you. Like the voice said, it is your choice. Free will plays a huge role from birth, yet most of us are unaware and even have a free will. When my daughter was in labor with my grandson, she too was having difficulties that brought back memories and sheer panic on my part. My grandson was also stuck in the birth canal, and she needed a specialist, as I did so many years ago. But I think she was more of a trooper than I was. She asked while in labor for me to tell how I was when I was having her. I turned to hide my tears from her and said, That's a story I'll save for after, my girl. Right now, you need to relax and breathe. While hoping she wouldn't ask again, Nicholas was a healthy 10-pound baby boy. Can you say ouch? Thank you for allowing us to share such moments in life. I may not have seen a ghost because in the story, I was one. Smiles. P.S. Before I left the hospital after having my baby, I turned to the nurse bitch and said, You know nothing about me or my husband or our lives for that matter. To be making such judgments. To you, he's a pervert and I am a child. But to me, we are a loving couple with a new life we created together. Her jaw dropped and I walked away with a huge smile on my face. Take that, nurse bitch. LOL. Thank you for your time and I hope you share this story. As it's near and dear to me, take care. You're both awesome. Keep up the good work. I plan to become an EPP yearly soon. I wonder if being able to hear thoughts is something that all spirits are able to do or just certain spirits. I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to hear thoughts like that. Really? Yeah. Sometimes it's just best not to know what other people are thinking, you know? Yeah, but you're dead. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. It's interesting. I've heard of um, out-of-body experience studies. Some have actually been done mm-hmm. on operating tables. And the way that they did it was they put a, you know, the uh, the boards that, that can spell out letters and words and such uh, with lights. I don't know what they're actually called. It's a very simple name, but it's it's eluding me because they're not used very much anymore. You used to see them like in, in storefront windows and the LED type oh, boards, you know? Okay. Um and and this these studies were done a long time ago. I mean today you could like do a tablet or something. Sure. When these studies were done, they actually did like the LED board and put them facing up towards the ceiling above operating tables. Okay. And then they when someone said they had an out of body experience they tried to ask the person, okay, you had the out-of-body experience, uh, what was on the LED board if you were hovering above your body? Okay. Because it was above enough where if you're hovering above, you would likely see it. Um, they never got any results out of it. I mean, okay. it, it's it's a questionable study, you know, as far sure. as you know, how it, you know, it is done and all that. Um, but interesting nonetheless... 
Well, are they assuming that every time somebody has an out-of-body experience that they automatically are floating above their body? That was kind of the, the thought process when this, this study was done. You can't just be standing by your body? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, people are at all different vantage points. That's the thing. Okay. So that's how that was done. I mean, it, it's, it's very, very difficult to say that, well, none of this is true. I mean, especially when you have stories of like this where... It'd be interesting to actually go back and ask that nurse, what were you asking with these people? You know the nurse would deny it. Well, of course, but I mean, if you could actually get, sure, you know, the the true thoughts of that, um, I mean, and that's well beyond just, hi, I'm out of my body, I'm witnessing what's going on around me. This is, I'm out of my body, and I know exactly what all of you are thinking around me as well. Right. You know, so it goes a little bit deeper. But uh, I take it it's not one of those stories where like on Rescue 911 where, you know, eight months afterwards, they all got together and had a picnic. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. probably not. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. That's how like half of Rescue 911 ended. They were all sitting around a picnic table having a hot dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, thank you for grabbing my arm after it was sawed off by... <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Let's have this hot dog together with my newly attached arm. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. And then Robert, or not Robert Stock, it was uh, William Shatner mm-hmm. would, would soon be stepping through the 911 operating booth and be like, and that's what happened when the arm came back on. They were able to eat hot dogs once again. <laughs> it got to commercial. <laughs> good old Rescue 911. Yeah, that was a good show. It was. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Matthew writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. My name is Matthew. I'm from Denver, Colorado. Wanted to start off by saying I absolutely love the show. I'm an EPP and I enjoy every episode of the show. I'm a firm believer in the paranormal. What you guys do is awesome. Keep up the great work. My story started when my grandfather on my dad's side passed away from prostate cancer five months ago. We watched him suffer and wither away very quickly. He had the cancer for seven years, and in August, his cancer became very aggressive and took him in late October. I was in the room when he drew his last breath. To say the least, it frightened me when I saw him pass, but I also felt assured that he was in a much better place and no longer suffering. About a month after my grandpa passed, I had a dream in which he came to me and had a goldish glow around him. He sat beside me and told me, Matt, tell everyone I'm fine and that I love them. I woke up feeling assured and very relieved to know that he is okay. A few months after that happened, my home telephone rang, and the caller ID came up as my own number, which was, uh, which I thought was really strange. I picked up the phone and said hello at least three times, but the other end of the line was completely dead. A minute after this happened, my grandmother called us and told us the same thing happened to her a minute prior. We thought it was Grandpa checking in on us. As I stated before, there was nobody on the other end of the line. How do you explain that? I firmly believe my grandfather is watching over me and my family every day and is in heaven. I love my Grandpa very much and not a day goes by that I don't think about him. Thank you for taking the time to read this story. Sorry if it was so long. Lots of love. Light and warm regards your way. Matthew. Have you ever seen that happen where it's your own number that pops up on the caller ID? Not you're using your cell phone to call Mm -hmm. your home phone or anything like that. Just like out of... Just like this. 
No. I don't even know what would cause that. I mean, not that I know everything about cell phones or, you know, mm-hmm. how phones work or anything, but for that to happen to Matt and to his grandma, you know, at the same time. It's it's bizarre. I mean, like back in the day, back when there was home lines, you could actually dial yourself, hang up your phone, and your phone would ring. I never tried that. Because you'd have a slight delay between the two. Cell okay. phones, it doesn't work that way. Uh-huh. You can't, like, dial your own cell phone number, hang up, and it will ring. It will just simply, nothing will happen. Um, so that's that's very interesting. Yeah. On how that logistically even worked. Well, and for it to happen to both of them. Yeah, I, yeah, that's... There's something odd going on there. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen every other weird thing on a cell phone, especially like out of country calls where like I've had zero, 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 like the whole way across my screen before. I've had caller unknown, you know, caller blocked. Um, weird combination of numbers that go that are not phone numbers. Okay. But never my own number coming up. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you remember when caller ID first came out? Oh, yeah. And it was like a separate box yeah. that you had to plug your phone line into. It was a little like, yeah, um, it was like a Meritech or something. Uh-huh. Was that the company? I think so. And there was like a little infomercial about it that they used to have. It's like, with caller ID, you can see who's calling. It was like a woman sitting by like a fireplace uh-huh. talking about how amazing caller ID was. And it was that little box. It was pretty amazing. It was. When it first came out, that was just unheard of to be able to know before mm-hmm. you picked up the phone who was on the phone. Do you remember Star 69? Yes. And you could, it was like 99 cents uh-huh. to tell you who called you. Do you remember those like 10, 10, 20 numbers? What was that? I don't even remember. I just remember the numbers stuck in my head. I think that was like a version of Collect. Oh, no, 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 no. 10, 10, 20 was um, uh, calling someone for 10 cents a minute. Okay. It was a way that you could, it was a long distance code. Mm-hmm. So you could call anywhere in the country for like 10 cents a minute. Because at that point in time, long distance on local carriers, it depended on your carrier, but it could be anywhere from like, you know, 10 cents to, you know, a buck okay. a minute. So if you wanted to save money, 10, 10, 20 was a 10 cent a minute um, long distance. I remember using that. Oh, really? I was dating a girl in high school uh-huh. who was slightly out of my area code. Uh-huh. So to talk, it had to be a long distance call. Oh, wow. So I had to actually, I used 10, 10, 20 all the time for that. Because if I did the local carrier, which I did for a while, and my mom's like, uh, Tony, your phone bill's like $300 this month. Because we only had one phone line. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, that's my monthly paycheck at the radio station. And then I discovered 10, 10, 2, 20, and it, like, knocked it down to, like, 100 bucks a month or something. But, um, yeah. Wow. So, there you go. 10, 10, 2, 20. <laughs> I wonder if that exists anymore. I don't know. It's like calling cards. Yeah. I'm really going to, like, go to the mall and get calling cards, or it's, like, a big thing if you, like, got a calling card. It's like, awesome, calling card. <laughs> I know they exist, like... Um, like folks use them if they have like family in Mexico and such. Mm-hmm. There's calling cards that work for like out of country still to this day. But even like, I think that's even dying down. Like with the advent of Skype and things like that, like you can use Skype for like a nickel a minute or something. I it's remember like, we gave 
a couple of calling cards to, um, I think, family members and friends that went off to college. Yeah. That was kind of a, a going away gift. It's like, you can talk to us for 60 whole minutes over the next three months. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Call wisely. <laughs> when you're out, you're screwed. Oh, calling cards. <laughs> That's funny. I like the machines they'd have like at stores sometimes for with calling cards in them. Yeah. That's a big deal. Interesting. And there's like half our audience who's like, I don't remember any of that. No. Yeah. Be thankful. <laughs> or pay phones everywhere. Pay phones don't exist. Uh-uh. Really. I, I, mean, I can't even think of the last time I saw one. Anywho, 855-853-4802 is our number. Michael writes in, first and foremost, I'd like to say, y'all have a great show. Thanks for creeping the shit out of me. I love it. I bought a Ouija board back in August of 2005. Mind you... I was into a wick-up at the time. Anyway, I played the Ouija board and came up to the spirit of a nine-year-old girl who was murdered, it said. So I had seen on the news there was a low-pressure system far from the Gulf. I asked the board, will it be coming to the Rio Grande Valley in Texas? I replied, yes. I thought, no biggie, and told the spirit goodbye and put it away. Later that night, sure enough, the system came into the Gulf, headed for the RGV in Texas and then pulled the board out again and asked will the system become a hurricane it said yes I asked where will it hit it replied I don't know I asked again and then it told me the same thing finally at 2am I asked where will it hit and it spelled New Orleans I thought it was bull because it was really close to Texas I asked how strong will it be how strong will it be it replied cat 5 at this point, I was shitting bricks because it was too close to home. Well, I put the board away and started watching TV when my local news came on with a special weather bulletin. I watched, and all of a sudden it said that the system was gaining strength and had now become a Cat 3 hurricane, which was Katrina. Ah. <laughs> Say something so I can cough. I'm sorry. <coughs> I can't quite cover your cough. Very interesting. Hours passed, and I slept and woke up early to a NWS weather report saying Katrina was now Category 5 and headed for, you guessed it, New Orleans. Literally, I froze up and chills ran down my spine because the board had told me. People don't believe my story, but I don't care. I saw what I saw, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks, Michael. You know, that would be... I can't even calculate what the odds would be for that. You know, is a hurricane going to hit the U.S.? And the board says yes. Okay, that's one thing. But for it to say it's going to hit New Orleans as a Cat 5, I wonder how far in the future whatever it was com- he was communicating with can see. What's interesting is the fact that it wouldn't tell him at a certain point. Like, it still had to, like, get the models in. <laughs> yeah. To, like, actually, like, why would it not be able to say that two hours earlier? Like, oh, well, my new models are in, and now I'm going to tell you what it is. Maybe it can only see, like, 12 hours in advance or something <laughs> like that. It's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. It's funny. Today we were having lunch, uh-huh. and we were really close to someone who's, like, very high in the weather business. Uh-huh. Like, just by chance. It'd be interesting to share that story. <laughs> <laughs> with this individual who runs like a weather outlet uh, that you probably use. I'm not going to say it. No. But um, but it was interesting. I was like, is that that guy from that weather? Like, yeah, it is. You know, 
hey, we have this great idea. Start using Ouija boards for your weather forecasting. But that the most the the oddest part of that story is the fact that it didn't know within that time window. No, but further out it did. Yeah, it's like the models like it's, it's still forecasting. I'm, I'm just I'm just kind of baffled by that. I'm just it, it, yeah. Well, that tells you it. It can't see that far in the future. It can see a little ways, but not that far. So maybe it's not as accurate of a system as I'd like to think it may be. No, you can't start Ouija Weather Awareness <laughs> or something. That's an awesome name, Ouija Weather. Ouija Weather? Ouija Weather. <laughs> Somebody's going to start it. Just I wait. can't believe that's going to be 10 years ago this year. Katrina? Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. I remember watching the uh, very beginning of that, like on the very early morning news at like 4 a.m. that they run, because mm-hmm. I was getting ready to do my morning show at the time, and it was like whatever is on at 4 a.m. for whatever version of news is, and I remember watching like some of the press conferences, I mean, the uh, uh, That-A-Boy Brownie <laughs> press conference. What? Where where, where Bush was, was congratulating the uh, the guy who was... Uh, at the head of FEMA, I think at the time, Michael Brown. Remember okay. That? For for being so proactive, although it was like the polar opposite, it was like totally not proactive. I didn't remember that. It was like the like one of the the big catchphrases of the storm. Okay. Okay. But watching it like as it happened, it's hard to believe it was ten years ago. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Jesse Lynn writes in, hello, Brewskies. Out of the blue the other day, I remembered something that happened after my uncle passed away and thought I would share it with everyone. My family has always been paranormally affected, and it's quite often the topic of discussion to or at get-togethers. In 2005, my uncle had a severe heart attack that left him basically a vegetable and eventually killed him. I'm very close with that section of my family. I'd spend weeks with them in the summer, and my cousins are my best friends. He was a gruff man who believed in tough love, yet his soft side shone through in his love of wood-burning crafts, gardening, and wood-burning crafts. Where you, you like, almost take, like, a branding iron and you put designs into wood? Oh, I remember seeing some of that, like at like flea markets and stuff. Yeah, sure. Okay. He had a green thumb in a beautiful garden, which always attracted hummingbirds, his favorite. I was devastated when I found out that he had passed, more so because of how much, uh, his, uh, how much it hurt his wife and children and what they were going through. My aunt asked me if I would stay at their house with them for support and comic relief, and of course, I said yes. It was a difficult week. Lots of tears and memories were shared, but they were comforted that he was out of pain. The whole week, we kept uh, saying that uh, we could feel him there with us. Little things would happen, like the curtain would move when there was no breeze, or a dog would whine in the basement. My uncle would spend most of his time. The day after the funeral, my aunt was in the kitchen, and my cousins and I were upstairs asleep. All of a sudden, we heard her yelling for her for us to come downstairs. You have to see this. We ran downstairs to find my aunt standing in the kitchen, holding a sack of potatoes and looking at the floor. She explained to us that she went into the kitchen to make breakfast and smelled something foul. She finally figured out it was the potatoes and picked up the sack to throw them out. Underneath the sack was the image of a hummingbird that looked like it had been burned into the hardwood floor. Of course, we all started crying and hugging, but mostly because 
who took it as a sign that he was finally out of pain and at peace. I took a picture of it. If I can find it, I'll definitely send it to you guys. Another interesting fact about my aunt, she's very into psychics and palmistry and the like. After her first husband died, she had her palm read and was told that she would get married again. However, she would be widowed a second time. Unfortunately, March 5th marked one year for the anniversary of her second husband's death. Thank you for sharing all these stories. As always, love the show. Keep doing this amazing work. Love you guys. I think those little signs we get are very important after a loved one dies, kind of as a little recognition that, you know, they're okay. I I think those things are meant on purpose, like finding the mark that looked like it was burned into the wood of the hummingbird, whether or not he really did that. Mm Mm-hmm. It was symbolic. It would. It was just one of those little kind of closure moments. I'd love to see that photo if they can find it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that that's very, very specific. You mm-hmm. know, it's one thing like, oh, there's something burned into the ground. But if it's like that specific, that's a, that is a true sign. That's a true, he did this. Yeah. You know, I mean, the odds of just a random burn mark looking like a hummingbird. I mean, if it's extremely archaic and you're like, oh, that's kind of like a hummingbird, you know. That's one thing, but I, I'm going to take it that it probably was a lot more than that. Or it was the style in which he burned yeah. things. I mean, you, you could tell the difference yeah. between trying to make something out of nothing or to really see it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, if you're going to, I'm going to take it they really did see something true there. I think that so. That was very interesting. That'd be a fun thing to do. What? I've always liked playing with those, you know, kind of burning irons uh-huh. type things. I wonder how difficult that is. Well, I know you can do the branding iron style, you know, mm-hmm. but you can also do freehand kind of with almost it almost kind of looks like a soldering iron. Yeah. But it's you you have to have some real skill. It's it's not like stamping. Probably a lot of patience too, like burning into a chunk of wood mm-hmm. for a long period of time. I the, the knife thing always scared me. I I was afraid I would cut myself. Whittling. Whittling, yeah. I mean, I'm afraid to like cut into fruit. So, I mean, uh, screwing with, you know, cutting into actual blocks of wood, you know, like where you're like having the two hands together, the knife really close. Oh, sure. Like I can't cut an apple. Or how about chainsaw art? (laughs) I'm not even going to go there. You're not going to go there? You want to go there? I'm not going to go there. I had a family member who just randomly one day decided to turn the dead tree in the backyard into a cigar store Indian with a chainsaw. Like Cheers? I think that's how they wanted it to turn out, but that's not at all how it turned out. It ended up looking like somebody was giving the middle finger because the feather on the top just looked like the middle finger flying the bird. So, Was there like a face in carved into it? Did it look at all like an Indian? It looked like a mess with a finger sticking up. It just was really bad. <laughs> it's one of those things where you can't just suddenly decide, I'm going to go try that. <laughs> and and do do good at it, you know. Right. I mean, it's like you need like almost an apprenticeship. Well, you know? I think with enough liquid courage, you can attempt anything. <laughs> well, you can attempt anything. I mean, it's nothing to like be good at it. Sure, it's like ice carving and things like that. It's the but, same, probably same sort of skill, really. Yeah. If you're carving into ice, you know, I, I've seen a lot of folks do that, and it looks really neat. I don't know, I, I'm I'm far too afraid that even if I did, because I'm, I'm too klutzy. Mm-hmm. 
That's my biggest thing. Even if I had the skill and like learned it, I would be far too afraid that as I'm doing this, I'm going to like trip over something and the chainsaw is going to fall. I'm going to fall into the chainsaw <laughs> or something of that nature. And <laughs> it would just be a large mess. Yeah. That someone else would have to clean up and I would no longer be around. Sure. But hey, look at that half of a, you know, a chickadee that he carved into that. Uh, and it's blood spattered. Blood sp- it looks beautiful. It's like a robin almost now. It's a cardinal. <laughs> Horrible. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I know where I should and shouldn't go. Yeah. For, for skills or interests. If it involves something sharp, it's usually best just to stay away from it. Yeah. You know, for the most part. I agree. Me too. Let's go to uh, Ashley in California. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, my name is Ashley, and I'm calling from Burbank, California. Uh, a few weeks ago, no, I'm sorry, not a few weeks ago, just last week, I think, uh, you guys asked about the Queen Mary and the fact that they have a haunted uh, house that they have there, and you were wondering about ghosts in the haunted house, and I happen to have the exactly perfect story for you guys. So here it goes. Um, my mom and I work in haunted houses every year and we have for a very, very long time. Uh, my mom has been doing it for 32 years and she's got all kinds of amazing stories. And this last year was my 23rd year and I've got all kinds of amazing stories. Well, one year we ended up working at the Queen Mary, um, in their haunted house, which is called, I think that year it was called Shipwreck. Sometimes it's Dark Harbor, sometimes it's Shipwreck. It just depends on what company's doing it. Um, Anyway, so that year, my mom was actually the head of costume, uh, in addition to scaring. So we got to know a lot of the, the kids, a lot of the scarers pretty well, because most of them are, you know, 18, 19. Um, so we got to know them pretty well. And uh, throughout the evening, we would go through and give candy to the cast, just sort of as a good job, you're doing a good job, thanks for staying in your spot, you know, keep scaring them, go everybody. So um, we would take a break from scaring, and we'd go into the ship and give candy out. Um, So we were very familiar with the ship, and there's this one section, um, it's pretty deep inside the ship, and it was where they would put the soldiers that were uh, critically ill, Um, or injured when they were crossing back and forth during the war. And there were actually a couple soldiers who died in that area. Um, And right now it's it's very gray. It's sort of dark and low. You can go through it during the ghost tour. It's very cool. Uh, Anyway, so we were walking through that area. My mom was in front of me. And this was about halfway through the month. So we had been through there lots and lots of times. And we knew exactly where all the little hidey holes were and what actors should be in there and, you know, how to get their attention. So we were in between two groups. My mom was in front of me. And it's um, a long pathway. And then it turns to the left and goes into another room. And we're walking along. And we're going, Candy, hey, guys, do you want any candy? Anybody in here? Do you want some candy? Hello, anybody want candy? Because sometimes, you know, the actors are hiding and they don't want to be seen by the group. So, you know, they're hiding, right? Um, So I'm calling out and nobody's responding. So I thought, okay, well, maybe an actor went to go to the bathroom, which happens. 
uh, and my mom is ahead of me, and she goes to turn the corner to go into the next room, and all of a sudden, I turn around and look behind me. Uh, I didn't hear a noise. I didn't hear, like, a shuffle or a footstep. Uh, nobody said my name. Nobody said, hey, Ashley, I want candy. Uh, I just felt like I had to turn around because somebody was there, and, uh, and so I did, and I turned around, and probably standing about maybe two feet in front of me was a man, and he was about a head height taller than me, and he had blue eyes, and he was quite thin. Uh, he had curly hair that was tight on his head, and he was wearing sort of a grayish uniform. Um, but he wasn't there. I couldn't see him. I could see him in my head, and I could feel him physically in front of me, but he was invisible. There was there was nobody there. And it freaked me out, and it shocked me, because I knew, I knew he was there to the point where I knew exactly the angle I had to tilt my head up to look into his eyes. But again, there was nothing there. It was just air. Um... And so <laughs> I, I thought, well, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Must be somebody else in here. So I leaned sideways to look further down the hallway to see if anybody else was there, which doesn't make any sense because there wasn't anything I could see standing in front of me. So I, my body should not have reacted by leaning sideways to look around this invisible person. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it wasn't, and I didn't get like an angry feeling. It's just more curiosity and sort of like a why? Why are you here? You you shouldn't be here. But it wasn't angry. It was more like I don't understand why you're here. And I called out and I was like, Mom, somebody's in here with us. And she walks back around the corner and she goes, Whoa, whoa. And I said, I know. And then I turned around because I didn't feel threatened and we had to give candy to the rest of the cast. So I turned around and took a few steps and I felt the person walking behind me. And then I turned the corner and he was gone. And that's one of the ghostly experiences in the Queen Mary. Maybe I'll have my call, or have my mom call back later and tell you guys another one. Um, I absolutely, absolutely love your show, and I make everybody listen to it. Uh, great. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us. That's just so strange. I To have the sensation of knowing something's there and seeing what it looks like in your mind, but not seeing... It with your eyes. Is that would that be considered like psychic? At that point, kind of. I guess kind of, almost like it's projecting itself into your mind. You have that in dreams. Yeah. Can it, it, it's it's interesting for that to be happening in, you know, a conscious state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard of that one before. I know we've talked about some. You know, some of them projecting things in, but it's not usually when you're awake and mm-hmm. like trying to actually see it. We should have a bell, and every time we have something new that it's like, oh, we've never heard this one before. 
Oh no! You know what? We ring it. If we did that, we would sound absolutely like the guy in the wheelchair on Breaking Bad. It would just be constant dinging. So we'd be arguing. It's like no, we had that before because one of us would think we hadn't heard mm-hmm. it, and it would be vice versa. Yeah, no, we've had something similar, but not a not as a well described. Yeah situation is this one what's really interesting to me uh, a very interesting story and thank you for sharing it with us is how we can like describe a story or a situation or something we're interested in and then someone who's actually involved in that will like listens to our show huh like with the queen mary like we talk about the queen mary oh and, and how in, mm-hmm. like interested in that as a topic sure and you know the ghost like oh well i work there and i do you know it's like oh we have listeners in all these different facets that we, we are interested in that are all out there. I love that. I love that we can reach out to our audience and that yeah. they can, you know, give us these stories and, and experiences and things like that. Yeah. When we're specifically interested in something. It's just amazing. Like that. Yeah. It's it's very, very cool. So thank you for uh, for sharing that uh, that story with us. Logan writes in, in my junior year of high school, I lost three grandparents. Sometime before my grandmother, Marianne, passed away, my cousin Justin came over to say his goodbyes because we all knew that she did not have long at all. He told her that if uh, she were to ever around uh, after she passed away, that she should give us some sort of a sign, like turning a light off. Well, sometime after she passed, we were sitting in my living room. Justin was on the couch next to a lamp, and I was sitting in the chairs that faced the couch with my mother in the other chair. As we are chatting, the pull chain, the lamp, clicks. It clicks down and the light goes off. We all fell silent and froze for a moment. Most likely, we were all wondering what had just happened. So we're still sitting there watching the lamp. The chain pulls down again and the light flashes back on. Normally, I just brush this off as a minor electrical issue, but the way that the chain was pulled confirmed my belief that this was something else. Another time, some three to four weeks after the same grandma passed away, I was sitting in my room on my bed, and I received a phone call from my grandma's contact. I was really puzzled, so I answered. There was no one on the other line of the phone. The loss of my grandma was still fresh, so it hit me rather hard, and I immediately jumped to the thought that she was trying to contact me somehow. But due to the fact that I have such a huge interest in the paranormal... I thought that I had to check on my, uh, check up on it first. I called my mom into my room and asked her about my grandma's phone plan. I thought that maybe somehow the number had been reassigned and the new owner had managed to call me, but then I thought about how all contacts on her phone wouldn't have been transferred to the new holder. I also thought that maybe someone in the family had gotten a hold of her phone and they were testing to see if it still worked. My mom told me that it was my Uncle Gary's responsibility to turn off her phone plan. She said she'd check with him about the situation. At the end of the day, she came to me and told me that Gary had turned off her plan within the week of her death. I really like to believe that she was trying to reach out to me in some way. There are other times that experiences like this have happened with my mom. The other time that electronic appliances go off is when my cousin Justin is around. If you have any insight or a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Love the show. Logan. Okay, these two stories were submitted on the same day about two hours apart. (laughs) It's so odd. Yeah, so it's not like I go hunting and pecking for stories that have a similar theme. It just... It kind of happens that way. Um, 
again, I don't know what to say to that when the phone service has been cut off and the number's probably been reassigned to somebody else who obviously wouldn't have the contacts that mm-hmm. are saved into the phone. So I don't know. These grandparents are getting up on their phone usage and, and knowing how to send calls from the other side. I'm waiting for the ghost texts to be more of a common thing. Hey, made it to heaven. Pearly gates are awesome. Yeah. St. Peter says hi. Yeah. Like, and they like, they start sending selfies. Selfies from heaven. That's great. <laughs> it's like, what is this? It's bright light selfie from my dead grandmother. <laughs> you know? I'm sorry. That was probably tasteless for us to. No, it's going to happen. That. It's going to happen at some point, and it's not this generation. It's not the the generation that's passing now. It's a generation that we're in 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 right now. Is they're going to be sending selfies to their grandkids? Like like us, like when yeah. we're grandparents. Yeah. When- well, yeah. Probably like seventy, eighty years from now, suddenly yeah. our grandkids are going to start getting selfies from the other side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like still the self absorbed generation, you know, just sending the. Uh, the little texts over if texting is even still a thing 70 80 years from now oh i can't even imagine what we'll see in the future i mean like holograms that would be cool be just projecting right there it'll be great i know you didn't watch star trek much as a kid but on next generation there was this room where you could go in and it could be like a 3d hologram of whatever and i always thought that was the coolest idea and why they haven't come up with that yet i don't know give it time yeah. It'll happen. It'll be the eye room. The eye room. <laughs> you can create whatever you want in there. Sure. It'd be great. <laughs> Nicole writes in, when I was nine in 1993, I moved into a new house. I always felt that I was being observed by something, but I was never frightened by it. Nothing ever really happened until one night I just suddenly woke up and opened my eyes and a big black mass was standing over me. I could make out its head and shoulders, but the rest was all black in my nine-year-old head, I thought I just saw a grim, the Grim Reaper, but I still wasn't freaked out. Six years later, my family moved out of the house, and it was sold to a different family. But in 2007, my husband and I got the opportunity to buy my childhood home. We moved in, and again, nothing creepy happened, just the feeling of being watched. Then, one night, my husband and son were asleep, and I was staying up watching a movie. I went to the kitchen to get food. I was walking back to the couch when I felt an overwhelming urge to turn around. When I did, I saw the same big black mass standing behind me. I could make out the head and the shoulders, but the rest was just black. There was a wall behind it with a calendar hanging on it, and I remember barely being able to see the calendar through the black shape. Well, my heart went into my throat. I sped walked to the couch, sat down, and said, "'Don't do that!' Then, just yesterday, I was standing in our bathroom looking in the mirror, and in the mirror, I can see into our room. I was fixing my hair when out of the corner of my eye, I see a big black shape move in front of our TV. I turned my hand to look at our TV through the mirror, and I saw the shape go all the way past the TV. Then I actually went into our room to see if it was still there, but our room was empty. I guess the good news is it didn't freak you out so much as a child that you never wanted to go back to that house. So that's true. Probably won't do anything worse than it did as you, when you were a child. 
It's it's interesting. I mean, uh, the childhood home is, is is an interesting thing. Some people have really good memories. Some people have like not so great memories. I mean, even if like nothing like really truly traumatic happened, just kind of things like that. Yeah, you know, where it's somewhat paranormal, somewhat kind of creepy. It's like, yeah, I just kind of want to move on from that. There can be a weird pull to your childhood home, even if something yeah. traumatic happened there. You're right. To yeah. where you can still want that home or it's, still want to somehow, I don't know. There's something about some people want to raise their kids in the same environment that they grew up in. Well, it's, it's a matter of familiarity, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a comfort level to that. Even if there is traumatic things that happen, it's familiar. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily that the that the environment was the traumatic thing. It was just the environment was almost sometimes even calming to a traumatic thing. Sure. You know, so that could be, um, you know, part of what plays in into that whole whole situation. But very interesting story. It is. Yeah. Hey, uh, Steve writes in, <clears throat> howdy, my wife and I love the show. I listen to it almost every day. Went to graduate school in Edmonton, Alberta. So I especially enjoy the occasional Trailer Park Boys reference. Are Canadian listeners love the Trailer Park Boys? I don't think so. It's funny. I uh, I worked with a Canadian for a little while when I was in radio towards the end. And I brought up the Trailer Park Boys. And she's like, I am so sick of the Trailer Park Boys. Like, when people talk to me about Canada, that's all they think about is Trailer Park Boys now. <laughs> yeah, it like, kind of is. Like, sorry to hear that. <laughs> She's like, there's so much more to Canada than the Trailer Park Boys. Like, yeah, there is, definitely. But, hey, at least people are thinking about Canada and the States somewhat. That's true. Yeah. Anyhow, I sent you a story around Halloween. I'm not sure if you had got in, so I figured I'd get two birds uh, with one stone. And this again with a couple of others. Uh, Steve, number one in 2003... I was an undergraduate studying biology at Ohio University. I needed to make a little money to pay rent, so I took a job working for a professor in the fossil collections. The fossils were housed in the basement of the Ridges, the infamous former asylum in Athens, Ohio. While I never saw or heard anything ghostly at the Ridges, I did have one experience that made me wonder if there was something there. I was working late one evening in the collection and needed to run upstairs to check on some microscope slides I was making. In order to get to the stairs, I had to pass through a poorly lit hallway that was narrow enough that you could stand in the middle and easily touch both walls without fully outstretching your arms. When I got about halfway down the hall, a feral cat entered from the end of the hall where I was heading and stopped dead in its tracks when it saw me. The Ridges is an old complex with a catacomb-style-like basement with many openings where cats, raccoons, etc. can get in. I said raccoons. I should have said rakens with the... Uh, you should have, yes. The cat only stopped for a second. It briefly looked back where it had uh, come, then rushed towards me down the hall, almost rushing my leg as it ran past me towards the rooms I had just left. It really made me hesitant to keep going as I didn't know what had scared the cat enough to risk running past me in that narrow, dark hallway. Whatever it was, it must have been scarier than me. Nevertheless, I proceeded down the hall and went upstairs unscathed. Number two, this is a story that my grandmother told me about our family farm. My favorite, warmest childhood memories were formed in my grandmother's house, but at night, when you're trying to sleep, things change. The farmhouse and barn were built in the 1880s by Mr. Alan Palmer. As the story goes, Alan was 
planting while his wife, Carrie, was sitting on the back step of the farmhouse. She noticed a fox slinking through the tall grass near the chicken coop and called to her son, Arthur, to shoot the fox. He grabbed a rifle from the closet under the stairs. Unfortunately, the rifle was loaded and it discharged when he grabbed it, shooting through the back door and his mother. This was in 1891, and the nearest hospital to the farm at the time was in Lima, Ohio, which is about an hour drive by car. But uh, what uh, would have been much longer uh, by carriage. She didn't live long enough to make it to the hospital. Several years later, when my great-grandparents settled into the house, they remodeled the back steps and built a porch to cover the spot where Carrie had been shot. She'd fallen off the step and had bled on the ground in the front of the house, and since then, nothing would grow there. Five years after she had been shot, her son Arthur fell through the ice at a local lake and drowned. That's pleasant. Isn't that awful? Number three, (laughs) and it keeps going. The last story I have to share is the tale of the doppelganger grandma. One day, I pulled into the driveway of the farm to visit my grandmother. I saw Grandma and her golden retriever in the uh, barnyard. Grandma, wearing her blue hooded sweatshirt, walked to the corn crib, opened the door, went inside. Dog sat down just outside the door to wait. The room that my grandmother had entered contains a very old corn sheller, a hand crank device that removes corn from the cob so you can feed it into your chickens. There you go. There you go. All right. I parked my truck, walked to the corn crib, and called out... (laughs) What are you laughing at? Corn crib. Corn crib! (laughs) Hi, Grandma. She did not reply. Worried, I walked to the door. I was dismayed to see that it was latched from the outside. Opening the door, I found the little room with the corn sheller empty. Worried, I ran to the house and her dog followed. The dog never left the house without... Uh, being with someone. When I entered the house, I found my grandma cooking lunch, wearing different clothes, and I could have sworn I had seen her in not more than a minute before. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Okay. That's just weird. I'm I'm so perplexed by doppelganger stories. I never know where to begin or what even to think of them. I know. And it's not like... They were even wearing the same thing. Yeah. This case. It's, it was completely different. And to be able to describe in detail what grandma was wearing on the way to the corn crib, you know, and, and then she's wearing something else in the kitchen. That's. Yeah. I. That's probably the paranormal ghost type thing that I understand the least is doppelgangers. It's the most perplexing yes. of the. The subject, because I, I never know what to think of it, because they're always so bizarre, and and sometimes, and in most cases, honestly, not a whole lot of meaning behind it. You know, no. it's like in in other ghost stories, you go, oh, well, this is that, or then a lot of doppelgangers. It's like, why? Yeah, you know, like why is this even occurring? So I I don't know. Anyway, thank you for the stories. Uh, Lots of really, really good ones there. Thanks for writing, and we really do appreciate that. If you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get a bonus episode of the show every single week and have access to our complete archive of past EPP episodes and video, five bucks a month, and uh, help support the show. Keep us on the air. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.